It is good to be with you this morning, Mission Church. Uh, my name is Jeff Jimenez, and I am one of the members of this church. Um, I'm honored to be sharing today's message with you. Hey, Jeff, how's it going? How have you been? Hey, I've been, I've been good, you know, just busy, but, but good. How are you? Good, too. Busy, too, but yeah, how are the kids? They're doing great. They have a lot going on with school and sports and dance and, you know, how's Lauren? You know, she's doing all right. Work has been a lot. She's got a lot going on. You know, she keeps busy, but good. How many times have you had this conversation? How many times have you had it this morning? In this room right now with a large array of people, there's parents and students and professionals and ministers and athletes and musicians. And if I could guess one thing about all of us that we have in common is that you're probably busy. Some very busy. Some very tired, stressed, feeling maybe a little bit overwhelmed. And we all want rest. We all want some time to relax to not have to think about work, not have to think about your to-do list, about that week ahead, about that one-day home project that you're three weeks into. We just want rest. Everybody wants it. When you scroll on Instagram, what do you see? People on vacation, relaxing at the beach, at the pool, unwinding, feeling free, or maybe during fall, having fun at a pumpkin patch or paying $30 a person to pick up some apples. (laughs) Look at the ads and what they're trying to sell you. People relaxing, resting, worry-free, traveling, spending time with family and friends, awkwardly dancing at the farmer's market in a medication commercial. (laughs) We all want rest. We long for it, deep, soul-refreshing rest. But very few actually experience that kind of rest let alone experience it on a regular basis. How much of you, how many of you would say that rest is actually inconvenient? How many of you would say that just taking a full day off to simply rest when you don't have the whole day planned out, no Costco runs to do, no phone calls to make, no kids' games or activities, a day where you can just rest, Be present with your family, not having to worry about the next day, about your to-do list, about your email. How many of you would say that that is actually a hard thing to come by? Because I'll tell you, in our very busy, overstimulated, oversaturated society, finding rest is actually a hard task. It's inconvenient. Because it goes counter to everything we deem important, useful, and productive. So when Pastor Gordon asked me to speak on this topic of Sabbath and rest, I have to confess that I felt less than confident. But thankfully, the scriptures have a lot to say about it. Because rest is actually woven into um, the creation itself from the beginning. If we go to Genesis 2, 1 through 3, um, I was told that I cannot have it up on the board or on the screen um, so you're going to have to you're going to have to open up your Bibles and follow me. Genesis two one through three. It's okay if you use your phone. 
The heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day. He made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Again, built into the fabric of creation, we find rest. God himself rests. Did he need to rest? Maybe. I don't know, but he chooses to. And he institutes it as a holy day. He blesses it to be a day of rest for all of creation. And yet many people, and even us Christians sometimes, don't really see Sabbath as something important, let alone necessary in our life. God, I know you rested and you made it a holy day of rest for us, but you know, I have a lot going on. I'm just not in a stage of life right now where I can Sabbath. But Sabbath is so important to God and so critical to a healthy human experience that he not only weaves it into creation, but he commands it to his chosen people of Israel. In Deuteronomy 5, um, Moses gives the Ten Commandments to the people of how they should live in this world, how they were going to honor God. And he says, you know, I'm the Lord your God. Don't have any other gods. Don't worship any other images. Don't take my name in vain. And then the fourth commandment says this in verse 12, the Deuteronomy 5.12. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your female or female or male or female servant, nor your ox, nor donkey, any of your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your town, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. <coughs> Excuse me. Remember, mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Don't you find it interesting that he goes to great lengths to explain this commandment? Keep this holy day of rest, all of you, your kids, your animals, Jewish, non-Jewish people who live with you. Because you know what it's like to not have rest while you were slaves in Egypt. God delivered you so that you could experience his rest again and don't take it for granted. I think he does so. Because he knows us. He knows humans have been the same forever. They would inevitably forget to rest. Wouldn't prioritize Sabbath. They thought they didn't need it. That they could get more done. Or find ways around it. Force others to work instead. Why? Well, because rest is hard. It's inconvenient. Because it goes against our drive to get stuff done and to be productive all the time. And we see how hard it is for Israel throughout its history to keep the Sabbath time and time again. The prophets urge the people to not take this for granted. To practice this gift that God had given them as a means of flourishing and renewal for them. Jesus himself, as a Jewish rabbi, he honored the Sabbath. 
We don't have time to go through every instance, but we see him in the synagogue every Sabbath. More than that, he understood the heart of, uh, of Sabbath in a way that the Jewish leaders of his time had lost. They had made it into a list of rules to keep, ironically making the Sabbath more of a burden on the people than a gift of renewal to them. In Mark 2, the Pharisees are angry at Jesus because the disciples are picking heads of wheat and they're eating it on the Sabbath. He says to them in verse 2:27, The Sabbath was made for you, for humans, not you for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord of even the Sabbath. There's uh, those famous words of Jesus in Matthew 11. Matthew 11:28. 11, 29 says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And right after he says this, we have two stories of Jesus performing healings on the Sabbath, and the Pharisees becoming angry, upset. And then Jesus teaching about the true heart of the Sabbath. So to a people who were weary and burdened by the heavy boot of their uh, foreign oppressors, but also weary and burdened by the heavy hand of their own religious leaders who were imposing a list of rules and codes to keep with no mercy and no grace, Jesus himself had come to them as a true Sabbath. He was God's rest to them. The Sabbath was meant to be about finding unity with God, with creation, and with one another, which is what Jesus comes to do for us. Not only did he model it, he, not only did he teach the true heart of it, but Jesus was God's Sabbath for humanity. Now, we'll come back to this and its implications for us in a bit, but first let's talk about what Sabbath is and what it looks like. In his book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, which I know some of you have read, our small group did a study on it early in the year. One of the most helpful um, for me in thinking about this topic, actually. Um, the author, Comer, he helps us understand the four characteristics of Sabbath, which are to stop, to rest, to delight, and to worship. Stop, rest, delight, worship. So Sabbath, the word comes from the word Shabbat in Hebrew, which means to stop, to stop, which is the first one. So what do we stop doing on Sabbath? Working, you know, first and foremost, but also thinking about work, worrying about work. Stop worrying in general. It's a hard thing to do. We stop wanting we stop comparing. We stop buying. We resist the patterns and the pressures of our ever-demanding, consuming society. We stop. And we simply practice gratitude and contentment for who we are and for what we have. We are simply present as we are to God, to others, to creation itself. So that's number one, stop. The second one is rest, right? So this, this is physical, mental, emotional, spiritual rest. It is a time we actively choose rest. 
and we protect it. And rest will look different for each person. Might be sleep, might be meditation, might be a solitude or quiet, might be prayer, a relaxing time with family, with your spouse, with your children, with a close friend. But we rest and we protect it. Number three, we delight. Sabbath is meant to be a celebration of what is good, of what is right, and what is beautiful in this world and in our life. So what can you fill your day with on Sabbath that brings you not just passing pleasure, but deep soul-level joy? How can you enjoy your family, your friends, good food, beautiful place? How can you intentionally fill your life with beauty and share it with the world around you? Because joy doesn't just come naturally. We have to be intentional about cultivating it and cutting out the things that don't, at least on one day, our Sabbath. And lastly, number four, it is holy. It is a day we set apart for God, which is why we gather as a body, as a church, on a weekly basis to worship together, to receive his word to celebrate his goodness and his faithfulness in our lives, to partake in the bread and the cup as we remember the work of salvation and redemption of Jesus' uh, life on the cross for us. It is a holy day, the gift to us to stop, to rest, to delight, and to worship. Which, if you ask me, is exactly what we all need what our hearts actually ache for, what we long for. It is a gift. Think about it. The creator God who could have chosen anything he wanted for us to do on his day. Out of his goodness and his kindness, he gives us a day of rest and renewal. Now, the goal as we follow Jesus is to become people who are pervaded by his love to be able to love God with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind, and to love others as ourselves. That's the whole point, right, of following Jesus. And in order to love well, we must also, well, rest well. You can't love people well when you're restless, when you're too tired, when you're in a hurry, when you're too busy. I mean, maybe you can, but if you ask Lauren or Mariana or even Jericho, you know, how loving is Jeff? Jericho's our dog, by the way. Um, when, how loving is Jeff when he's tired, when he isn't well-rested, when he's hurried? How present is he? How kind is he? Don't, really, don't ask her, but I'm going to tell you. I'm, I'm not that great. Um, I mean, honestly, at this stage in my life, if I get like one hour less of sleep, that'll do it. You monster. No, I'm just kidding. Um, it's, it's hard enough to love people we like when we don't rest well let alone the people we don't like, the people we struggle with. How about our enemies, which is one of those unique marks of being a Christian, right? The command to love our enemies, which some would also argue is somewhat inconvenient and uh, somewhat completely ignored by most of us, which is another sermon. I won't get into that. But we can't love others well. We can't love ourselves well even. We can't love creation well. We can't love our vocations and even our our work, our job, when we don't rest well. We sure can't love God well until we find our rest in him. Can you be too tired? Can you be too busy? Can you be too distracted, too hurried to have a healthy spiritual life with God? 
Philosopher Dallas Willard famously said, Hurry is the great enemy of our spiritual life in our day. Why? Because hurry sabotages our capacity to receive and give love. So following Jesus requires us to slow down. Slow down to his pace. Jesus was never in a hurry. He was never rushing. He was never too busy to be interrupted. How do you respond to interruptions? Jesus had a lot to do. And God knows that not a lot of time to do it. And yet, he listened. He stopped. He took time to go away, to pray alone. He took time to eat meals with friends and not-so-friends. He enjoyed a good party. If the chosen got it right, when the wine was, let's just say, divine, he graced the dance floor with some of his holy moves, right? He hung out with children. Can you believe that? An adult man in his 30s making time to hang out with children. He took good naps. He kept the Sabbath. He was never too busy, never too in a hurry. He was calm, relaxed, at peace, ready to receive every interruption as a divine appointment it was. He lived the kind of, uh, of rest and peace we all long for. But few of us are really willing to build our life around his rhythm and his practices to actually experience it. As I was working on this, I was thinking about um, the parable of the Good Samaritan. There's a priest and a Levite, religious people, who um, see their beaten brother on the ground, and they cross to the other side of the road to avoid him. Was it because they were evil? Was it because they were selfish or simply because they were too busy to stop and to help? Jesus doesn't tell us. Or the parable of the sheep and the goats to those whom Jesus says, you didn't feed me when I was hungry. You didn't give me a drink when I was thirsty. You didn't welcome me when I was a stranger. You didn't clothe me when I was naked or looked after me when I was sick, when I was a prisoner. Was it because they were evil or selfish or simply too busy? Again, Jesus doesn't tell us. Because regardless of the reason of their avoidance and neglect, the results are the same. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. This invitation of Jesus is one that we must respond to today more than ever. In our high-speed, over-busy, overwork, overstimulated, highly distracted world that we live in. As Comer puts it, as a society, we are restless. We are deeply anxious. We are emotionally numb, sleepless, substance-dependent, addicted to our screens, disconnected from our true identity, in our calling, and disconnected from deep relationship with others, and especially from God. Many of us are just simply too busy to live emotionally healthy and spiritually rich lives with Jesus. So how do we begin to even combat this? How do we resist this great enemy of our day? 
Well, one simple way, which again, was thankfully already woven into creation itself from the beginning, is honoring and practicing the Sabbath. By taking a day to stop, to rest, to delight, and to worship. And maybe you say, okay, well, that sounds good and all, but I'm just, I just don't know if I can have a whole day of holy rest like that. Okay, that's fine. Well, what, what can you do? You're already here this morning. That's good. Worship part of that. That's, that's good. How much time on a Sunday can you give to resisting the urge to work, to be productive, and just simply be present to God to yourself, to your family, to your church family here? Can you enjoy maybe a leisurely lunch together with people? Great, that's a start. Start there. Maybe some of you can add a relaxing afternoon. Maybe you take a nice Nazarene nap. Great, that's also Sabbath, which is awesome. Jesus enjoyed his naps. Maybe some of you can make some time to say, you know what, I'm not going to look at my email today. I'm not going to look at social media today. I'm not going to look at the news today. It's going to be there tomorrow. And you say, instead, you know, I'm going to make some time to do something life-giving. Maybe I'll read some scripture. Maybe I'll enjoy a good book or call a friend I haven't talked to in a while and encourage them. Great, that's Sabbath. Remember, Sabbath is a gift. It's a gift to us. It's not meant to be a burden. We're the ones that make it hard because we've allowed the pace and pressures of this world to consume us. And you might say, well, okay, can I just like sit on my couch and binge Netflix and scroll my phone? Will that bring you union with God, with yourself, with others? Will that give you that deep, soul-filling joy that your soul and your body desires? Will that give you the rest that your body and your, your mind and your soul actually needs? Lauren would say, have you watched the British Bacon Show? Yes. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> um, Sabbath is a gift for us to, to renew, to refresh, to restore our souls because it recon- reconnects us to all that is good and beautiful in our life. It's not a a list of rules to keep. It's not an add-on to your already busy life. It's a day, yes. It is a practice, yes. But more than that, it's a way of being in the world that comes from living into God's presence and his rest. It's trusting God that we don't have to have it all under control all the time, that we don't have to have it all planned out all the time, that we don't have to follow the patterns and pressures of this world, that we can resist and that we can trust him and that we're going to be okay because we're safe and secure in the arms of a father who loves us and wants what is good and true and beautiful for his children. So can it be inconvenient? Maybe. I mean, it really is anything about following Jesus convenient. At this point, we probably learn that that's not the case. But the question is, it, it really should be, is it worth it? And I believe it is. Come to me, Jesus says, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle 
and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Let's pray. Out of all the things you could have chosen for us to do on your holy day, you give us this gift. Out of your kindness, out of your love, out of your generosity, and really because you know us, and you know how much we need it, Lord. Lord, let us not take this for granted. Let us begin to build into our life these practices and patterns that allow us to find time to connect with you, to connect with what is good and true and beautiful in our life and in this world, to be renewed, to be refreshed, to be the kind of people that operate out of a place of peace and not anxiety, out of a place of trust and not of stress and worry. Lord, we need that. We long for that. You know that our soul aches for it. And we know that we cannot rest until we find our rest in you, Lord. We thank you for your goodness, your faithfulness, and your love for us, Jesus. Let us find your rest. Find your rest as well. We pray all this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Jeff, for bringing that inconvenient message. <laughs> to someone who receives a lot of emails, that top line says urgent uh, or uh, immediate response required or something. Uh, it's a great message for me to hear. And so um, to bathe in God's rest is a gift. So as we leave today, accept that gift. It's a, it's a real treasure. Um, challenge yourself to, uh, to receive it. And so with that, uh, Mission Church, uh, God bless you guys this week. And all that you do, you're dismissed.